Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and today we continue our conversation with Alex at Draft Film School on Twitter, part of the No Ceilings Draft conglomerate, the deepest team in the draft game, um, and he has some more fantastic thoughts, Alex, on some of the Knicks' top options with their first pick. Yeah, we talk about the benefits or maybe drawbacks of drafting a player like Ochai Ajbaji. Uh, we talk about Malachi Branham. Why is he not getting more top 10 buzz? And could he potentially be a, a Knicks target if they stick at the 11th pick? Talk about Jeremy Sohan and Tari Eason, two potential guys that could slot in if the Knicks move Julius Randle and need someone to back up Obi Toppin at the power forward spot and also could use some switchy defenders. Those guys are are pretty useful. But we also talk about the idea of maybe the Knicks just pushing this pick to next year into a deeper draft, you know, trading it with some team that wants a shot this year in the lottery and getting a potential lottery pick next year. So we'll talk about that all on this episode of Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. They're now available on all platforms. Who would have thunk it? Just just two guys from the tri-state area on all platforms. It's, it's incredible. Real, real rise in the world. You can find us on YouTube if, if, if you want to see us. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of you have already, but we know we get some new listeners. We, we know we have some, there's a, there's a little resistance there to looking at our faces. I, I get it, but I promise it's a fantastic experience. If not, you can just enjoy the fun comment section on YouTube. Well, who's talking to you, you may ask. I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, uh, currently uh, focusing most of my coverage on high school lacrosse, some of the best teams in the nation on the Varsity Media Sports Network. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of The Greatest darn Knicks website out there, the Strickland. You can find them on social media at the Strick.land. And once again, we're going to join by Alex at Draft Film School on Twitter of the No Ceilings team uh, to do another deep dive on some of the Knicks top options. Uh, I won't withhold it any longer because this is a fascinating conversation. So let's get right into it with Alex. Um, another um, perimeter guy in the mix for the Knicks, Ochai Akbaji. Uh, we're, we're talking pronunciations or I'm testing out mine there. But um, he's, I mean, he's another guy just in a ton of mocks I see heading in the Knicks direction. And I, I want you to touch on him specifically as a player, Alex, but, but to me, he, he presents kind of an interesting philosophical question for the Knicks where, where you're sort of in this in-between spot as a franchise, right? Where you, where you already have all these young guys, I believe it's seven guys heading to next year, still on rookie contracts and with varying degrees of upsides, but especially on the wing, just so many dudes who need to play, right? RJ Barrett, uh, Quentin Grimes, Cam Reddish, um, obviously Obi Toppin's a four, but sort of falls into that category. And then you have the mainstays like the Alec Burks, the Evan Fournier's that are also going to be in that mix. 
Um, do you think, and I guess this, I mean, retroactively could apply to Matherin too. If you're the Knicks, do you want to bring in that like quote unquote three and D NBA ready wing? Are you saying like, that's sort of the guy we took last year in Grimes. We need a little bit more variety. Let's target a different position or maybe a guy with a higher ceiling who, who will sit for a year. And then once we clear up the rotation a little bit more could come in and, and have a higher future impact than someone a little bit safer, someone a little bit more ready to contribute to a playoff type team like, um, Akbaji. Yeah, that's interesting because there definitely is a logjam of guys on this team that are in that kind of guard, small wing category. You pretty much named them all. I think Agbaji is pretty much what I view Quentin Grimes as at the next level. Uh, can be a 3 and D complimentary player, play defense. They're both similar sized, can do a little bit of playmaking, but it, that's not going to be their ideal role in the NBA. I think Quinn Grimes has more kind of shot creation ability. A lot of Egbaji stuff is uh, off the catch or off screen, uh, dribble handoff, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, he's on the older side. So do you want to tag him along with all these other guys who are in the 21 to 23 age range and kind of build up through them and have that guard kind of barn of quickly McBride, um, Quentin Grimes, RJ Barrett, uh, Cam Reddish, you, you know, you named all of those guys. And, you know, is there room for six guards? Not even talking about Rokas over in Europe now. You got six guards that are all on rookie deals. Where are the minutes going to be? Um, not to mention Alec Burtz and Bournier. So I think that is going to be creating a little bit of a logjam. And I'm not sure how, you know, Tibbs has got to adjust those lineups, um, how much faith you have with them kind of cycling those minutes to to everybody just so there's a, a piece of the pie and just don't want to just keep handing out, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. I don't think that's the best kind of developmental way to do it. So it would definitely be a tricky situation, but it seems like the guards that they kind of, the front office tends to like are more of the self-creating guards, shot creators, uh, like quickly, like Quentin Grimes in, in these past drafts, even Deuce McBride a little bit more than Ekbaji does. So it'll be interesting to see if they target him at 11, but he might be a guy where if they don't like anyone at 11, they might trade down and try to snag uh, an extra asset for, for that 11th pick and maybe take him at, uh, you know, the mid teens or late teens instead of at 11 and, and try to, you know, get a little bit more out of that 11th pick that way. Yeah. I mean, that, that wouldn't be, uncommon for the Knicks to do. We've seen them do that pretty much every draft in the Leon Rose era so far. Uh, <laughs> although sometimes there's machinations of trading up and then trading down and then trading back up. You know, <laughs> they the just whole. like to trade. Yeah. They, yeah. They just enjoy playing NBA 2K on draft night and making, you know, a few, a few trades to acquire a few extra second round picks, build that asset stash for when you need to get a couple extra half stars added to your trade at the, at the end. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I also want to revisit guard barn. I, I would shop there. Um, I liked the I liked the term there. That was that was great. Um, was right off the top of my head, I had no <laughs> idea what I was going with that one. It's a, it's, good. it's barn. It's I, it works for me. <laughs> That's where I would put a whole bunch of guards if I had them. Um, anyway, I was gonna say with with Abaji, I, I I think it does raise sort of an interesting question of like to me. You know, as much as I want to say, I would hope that one of the younger guys that could shake loose out of the top 10 
you know, whether it's a Davis or a Matherin or a Daniels or even a Sharp, let's say that, you know, maybe Sharp worldwide West convinced him to only work out for the Knicks and, you know, then he's able to fall to 11 or whatever. Like, I don't know. You know, I, I would love to talk myself into one of those guys being more the Knicks guy, but Abaji is kind of that guy. Like he, he is like sort of exactly what the Knicks have prioritized in many ways. Um, an older player, you know, that has a lot of college experience. Leon Rose has yet to draft a one and done so far. Um, yep. He's always drafted at least sophomores in, in college. So actually, I guess uh, now Grimes was Grimes was a junior for three years. Yeah. 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 So Grimes was a junior, but everybody else had been sophomores prior to that. I think even though Obi was like the oldest sophomore of all time. Um, but like. You know, it's so he clearly has a type, and I don't, I don't know if some of these younger guys are it. Granted, you know, maybe I just described Matherin or or Johnny Davis, who are sophomores, um, or if they jump up, Jaden Ivy, who's also a sophomore. But um, I, I wonder if Abaji is kind of that guy. I, I also, I wasn't initially going to talk about him, but I just, I feel like I need to get a brief thought from you on this. Like, also when we're talking about guys that can create their own shot, that you know, can do some stuff off the dribble, things like that. Like Ty Ty Washington comes up all the time and it mm-hmm. linked to the Knicks. And I, I, you know, I, a lot of people are our mutual friend Prez included. think it's just kind of lazy of like the Kentucky guy goes to Knicks because Knicks love Kentucky, you know, like that's it. Um, but he's, I don't know. I, I feel like he's very redundant with quickly and I kind of question his fit, like just to get a quick note on it, because I feel like, most of the people listening to this have probably read 10 mock drafts and nine of them have mocked tie tie to the Knicks. Um, what, what's your general thought on him? Do you think there's too much overlap with quickly there? You already talked about like the, the log jam and the guard barn, you know, like does that, he just add to that. Does he potentially detract from quickly minutes? Like, how do you feel about tie tie? Yeah, I, I do like tie tie as a player in a vacuum on the Knicks. I'm with you. I think he, he's basically a mirror image of, of quickly, um, he might ha- might be a little bit taller, but quickly has such a long wingspan that I think he makes up for it. They're both, you know, shoot first point guards with a little bit of playmaking, um, some inconsistent defense, but I think overall solid defenders. I think um, Wa- Ty Ty Washington does a lot more in the mid range. Um, they both struggle to get to the rim. Um, I think quickly is a better shooter, uh, at least from a shot creation standpoint from deep. I think Ty Ty Washington only had like one self-created three point attempt or something crazy like that at at Kentucky um, or maybe three point make um, off the dribble or something like that. I I, I don't know, like if the Knicks take him, what they do with him, because I don't know. You can't really play both of them together. They're They're both, you know, too, too undersized, too, um, you know, same skills, all that. Do you really want those two guys to really split the point guard minutes long-term? You know, how do you split that 50-50, 60-40? Um, I don't think either of them is really right now good enough to handle kind of full-time, uh, you know, point guard duties on a you know really good playoff team. Um, I, I just think, yeah, they're too redundant. And similar to my feelings on Egbaji with, Grimes and overlap there. I think both guys kind of have too much overlap with the guy that just got drafted by the team um, in in the first round. So those are two guys who I, I like overall in a vacuum, but maybe not the best fit for the Knicks, in my opinion. 
All right, guys, we are going to be back with Alex to continue our conversation on Malachi Branham, uh, one of my favorite prospects in the whole wide draft. Um, and I would, I'd be willing to put some money on that. If we were willing to put money on that or something else, NBA or just sports related, there's only one place to go. It's betonline.net. They're your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports and more. And, and what I'm looking at tonight uh, that Memphis Minnesota game. M- Memphis comes in as a one point favorite. I am pounding that Memphis line, pouring my my very limited life savings into it. I think Minnesota is dead in the water. That that is the kind of heartbreaking loss, following another heartbreaking loss back in Game Three. That I just don't think you come back for. I think Memphis, even though the game's in Minnesota, I think they're ready to close this thing out. They have all the momentum. John Morant has figured out that defense. Uh, so I'm pretty confident Memphis is going to pull out that game. Uh, if you're also confident, you should head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right. Another guard that maybe I, I certainly like more on the next. Maybe, maybe you'll agree with me. Uh, Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. A, another guy who seems to be um, obviously still in the early stage of the draft process, but may, maybe just off of internet hype rising up a little bit. And, and I'm curious for your take almost on why he isn't going to go higher, like currently projected in the mid teens, but a guy at six foot five, I believe six ten wingspan, like good size, good length, just only average searching points per game at Ohio state, but monster efficiency about 50% from the field, 41% from three, 83% from the foul line. And, and, and man, just watching him in the NCAA tournament just, just seemed like, like he, he knows how to score the basketball already. He knows how to get to his spots and obviously still very young. Maybe it's the fact that coming out of high school, like at least by NBA draft standards, wasn't that hyped only the 34th ranked recruit in the country on ESPN. But Alex, why, why isn't he projected to go higher and, and how does he potentially fit on the Knicks? Yeah, I really like Branham. Uh, I have him, you know, just at the end of the lottery range. So if, if the Knicks take him at 11, I think that would be totally fine. He He's one of the best pick and roll operators in this class. And maybe not from a passing standpoint, but he is a very underrated passer. Uh, but just from a scoring standpoint, he's so comfortable. He plays within himself. Uh, you know, here and there he could throw a pass away, but at the end, he's still 18, I think. Uh, one of the younger players in this draft. Again, you mentioned he wasn't the highest recruit, and I think he did catch a lot of people by surprise this year at Ohio State. I don't think anyone really saw him as this one-and-done guy, but he definitely played his way into it. You mentioned the shooting numbers. Uh, I don't have any doubts about him shooting the ball at the next level. He could self-create. He could spot up. He can attack closeouts. Um, He's a decent enough athlete. He's got good size. I think he's got the three-level scoring ability that, you know, we were talking about with Johnny Davis. Um, You know, I think Johnny Davis is kind of a better ball handler. And, you know, he has a couple more maybe dribble moves getting into his shot. But I think Malachi Branham, he's just so comfortable out there. And I think the biggest question marks for him are on the other side of the ball, uh, where Johnny Davis is kind of known as a solid defender, probably going to be able to guard one, maybe two positions. I think Malachi Branham, the defense is kind of up in the air, Um, you know, but at the end of the day, he's just a freshman in in a big conference. Who really cares, right? I mean, as long as he's not a dumpster fire on that end, it's so hard for freshmen just to get acclimated with high-level college basketball on one end of the floor, 
let alone have them be competent on both ends of the floor. I think he's shown enough on the offensive end to be a lottery pick. Uh, and I could see him, you know, moving up boards and, and becoming a top 10 pick. Uh, is that more so have to do with the draft class itself being kind of, you know, weaker after top pick four or five, depending on how you feel about Shane Sharp? Uh, maybe. Uh, but I think he's done enough to be at least a lottery pick in this class. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, uh, where are you at on I, – I know that it feels like this has happened in the last few drafts, but, you know, there, there's like the top class, the top tier, and then everybody's – especially for this class, they're like second tier seems to be just this huge mishmash that goes from like pick five to pick, I don't know, 20. Like, how big is your second tier in this draft and like how much – how much fluidity do you think there's going to be in terms of guys just being the right fit for the right team and that maybe getting them like overdrafted or underdrafted or whatever, just based off the fact that there's so many guys with distinct skill sets that I think all look like they could be pretty good NBA rotation players in this draft. Like I, I don't think there's I don't think there's too much room for like lots of duds from the five to like 20 range in this draft. Yeah, so I I think the top four is pretty set at this point with, with Chet, Paolo, Jabari, and Ivy in, in some order. Um, I have all those guys kind of in the same tier. And then I have Shaden Sharp kind of in his own tier, just not based off like talent, right? Just based off, I don't know, like question mark, mystery man. We haven't seen him play in a while. Uh, but I think he's kind of can get into that four range or he can drop depending, you know, on how, you know, he would have played in college. We just don't know. And then after that, I have kind of a bigger group of maybe 10 or so guys um, ranging from guys like AJ Griffin at Duke um, and Malachi Brandon, who we talked about Jaden Hardy with the ignite Dyson Daniels with the ignite as well. So there's a bunch of different unique players in that basket where, it really depends on what the team drafting needs. Do they need scoring? Do they need defense? Do they need a center like Jalen Duran, uh, who's I think the youngest player in this class. He's even younger than, than Shane Sharp, who you know, might not even be eligible for the draft. We don't know yet. So it's, it's really just dependent. It's going to be very team specific. I feel like in that range of where guys go, but I, I'm on board with kind of the top group and then a bigger group after that and kind of pick and choose which player fits best with whichever team is drafting in which slot. Oh, one final name in that bigger group, uh, at least on my end, uh, Jeremy Sochan out of Baylor. Um, I know another another one of Alex's favorites. I, I think another one of like anyone anyone who got into the NCAA tournament, like just one, one of those dudes you watched that epic North Carolina game, you were kind of left saying, oh, who's who's that guy? Like, like even, even though there were um, higher rated guys on Baylor, both in like a, a James Akinjo, who, who was just like a monster um, throughout his college career. And um, I think it's like Kendall Brown, who was like a higher rated recruit, like watching that team was like, Sochan was the guy who kept popping off the screen again and again. And, and, and nominally, I mean, you could, you could also throw Tari Eason in this mix. Wouldn't really have a clear fit on the Knicks, but if you're like me, if, if you're like a lot of people covering this team and you, you think, or maybe more so hope that they're going to trade Julius Randle this offseason, all of a sudden there's, uh, a slot open in that back of power forward spot. And 
I, I don't know. Maybe this is another one of those conversations where you kind of go bigger picture on the team. But like to me, the Knicks like path forward to maybe not contention, but like pseudo contention or being a good team it is sort of in that Memphis or Toronto mold of just not playing bad players at any spot. And if I'm if I'm making um, a, a Memphis comparison, not not that they're the exact same player or even directly that close, but he could sort of be like your Brandon Clark in that of that high energy big coming off the bench. Um, and maybe that, that sort of was Obi Toppin and maybe he's graduated into a bigger role than that. I think we all hope that he's going to graduate into a bigger role than that. But Alex, all, all long winded way of asking, uh, what, what do you think of Jeremy Sochan on, on the Knicks in, in a world where they uh, move off Julius Randle this offseason? Yeah. So if, if Julius Randle is no longer in the picture for the Knicks, I think, yeah, why not? He, I think him, you mentioned Tara Easton as well. You can't go wrong with either of those. If you're looking for kind of a bigger, power forward guy who's, you know, versatile defender. Uh, I think both of those guys actually are very similar on, on the defensive end where they could, they're switchable. They can guard up, they can guard down on the perimeter inside. I think Easton is probably a little bit stronger just from a physical standpoint than uh, Jeremy Sohan. But at the end of the day, I think I don't really have qualms on def- defense, at least from either of those guys uh, offensively. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Jeremy Sohan's role is in the NBA. I think he'll need to shoot the ball. Um, he Most of his offensive opportunities this year were kind of spot-up jumpers. It was a little inconsistent. Um, here and there, he would hit some, he would miss some. Uh, but if he, if he knocks down jumpers on a more consistent basis, I think he immediately can be an impactful player for really any team, um, a rebuilding team, uh, a contending team. He, he just fits so well. And there aren't many, you know, six, nine, six, ten guys who can guard one through four, one through five, maybe, maybe not one through five, maybe two through five. Um, but he's just, he, he cares. He plays hard. Uh, he's also one of the youngest players in this draft class um, alongside, you know, his teammate Kendall Brown, you mentioned earlier, uh, who kind of cooled off. I feel like a lot of people on him and, and Jeremy Sohan has kind of taken over his, his, uh, you know, reign as, as top Baylor prospect this year. But at the end of the day, if Julius Randall isn't on the team, there are some minutes at power forward and I would easily throw, you know, 15 to 20, 25 minutes at either one of these guys uh, rookie season and, and just run from there because I think uh, they would really be terrors on, uh, you know, second, second teams uh, in the NBA and really give a lot of teams uh, some troubles. All right. We'll be right back in talking about the viability of the Knicks potentially trading out of the draft entirely. What? Why did we just spend all this time talking about these prospects? Anyway, that'll be next. But first I just got to remind you guys that this episode is brought to you by rock auto. You guys know how it goes with the ever increasing number of makes and models. It's impossible for those brick-and-mortar auto parts stores to stock all the parts you need. Why would you want to endure all the pointless and intimidating questioning about the the model of your car and the year and all this other stuff? When you already went online, you Googled, you looked up the YouTube videos on how to fix the one specific thing. You don't need all these probing questions. You just want to get the part and be done with it. And then, of course, those people at the brick-and-mortar auto parts store, they tell you, we don't have the part in stock. We're going to have to order it from our warehouse. We'll get it shipped here. You can come pick it up on Tuesday. And you're like, bro, it's Saturday. I wanted to fix my car today. Nope, you don't get to. You got to come back. You have to put this project off a week because, of course, you got to work during the week. And then you get it and you look at the price tag and you go, oof, man, that really cost a lot. Maybe I should have just gone to a mechanic because maybe it would have been cheaper 
than buying it from this brick and mortar auto parts store. And that's where rockauto.com comes in. You know, why would you want to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts at that chain store when you can just go to rockauto.com, get it for way less expensive, get it shipped directly to your door, and not have to, you know, have all that hassle of dealing with that salesperson that's just trying to upsell you on things. For example, you could get a Honda Odyssey fuel pump for just th- or for just $216 from rockauto.com compared to a whopping 353 from a chain store. And on top of it, Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, so you know they're going to take care of you. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Eason came up as well because I really like Eason so far in the in the draft process looking into him. I'm just like... He, he just, he seems like he doesn't, uh, I don't know what the word is. Cause I don't think that he was like particularly like unturnover prone or anything, but he seems like he could grow into one of those like mistake free NBA players, you know, that just kind of plays the game right on both ends and doesn't really cost you anything on either end, if that makes sense. Um, and I, I wonder a little bit about his position. Um, so I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it because I know you just mentioned with both those players, like that they could potentially, you know, be like guarding two to five. I I think when I've seen some people, like I did another show, um, you know, a few weeks back where uh, I talked to Rafael Barlow and we talked about him some, and you know, some people were saying, oh, well, he's not a four, he's more of a three. And I'm like, I watch him, I see four. And I see yeah. maybe even, you know, depending on how, things go for him maybe even small ball five you know he seems very strong to me and very sturdy and able to hold up to that sort of thing now if he still has the ability to stay in front of a three that's like bonus points but I I don't really see I don't see him being a tweener I see him being a like a pretty surefire four with the potential to maybe play in a non-tibs world some small ball five depending on how you're doing it so how do you how do you look at Eason you know positionally yeah I think definitely not going to be like a full-time five, right? Like I think he, mm-hmm. he could play spot minutes at the five, definitely more minutes at the five than OB could or Ran- or Randall, just given um, I think he's a better just interior uh, shot blocker and, and, you know, shot deterrer. And he's pro- probably not stronger than Randall, but he's more so closer to Randall than he is to OB in terms of strength. Yeah. I view him more as kind of a surefire four. Maybe he could, I think he could cover threes. I don't think if you want, I don't think you want him playing the three on offense, um, depending on who's playing the four. I don't really know how much, you know, shot creation you're getting out of him when you're playing him on the three. I think if you play him alongside a lot of guys who could shot create and shoot the ball, maybe. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think most of his minutes will be at, at the four position. That's where I feel most com- comfortable slotting him. And I mean, you, you look at him just playing in transition. If you think about having him and Obi be your fours for the long term, I mean, you're not going to find better guys to play with in, in transition. Um, they both thrive in that spectrum. So I think that overall, I think the Knicks that would make them play a little bit more up tempo, um, you know, hopefully run the ball a little bit more, play younger lineups, things like that, and become more of a, a you know better paced offense. 
I think that would be a lot better just for, for the team overall. And yeah, I, I would be, I'd be happy with Eason um, at, at four um, at the four position and play him alongside Obi and kind of split the minutes, maybe not evenly, but um, you know, also depends, I guess what they get back for, for Randall. Right. So if they're going into a kind of a full rebuild mode, then obviously those guys are going to get more minutes, but um that would kind of be, you know, a separate conversation of, of where the team is kind of looking to go after uh, a potential Randall trade. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, on that note, I mean, I mean at least the mind to wrap up in, in kind of a bigger picture sense uh, the, the Knicks, as we've noted, already have a plethora of young guys. They have all these weird older dudes who for various reasons were either too big of a part of a rotation or, or were basically injured all of last year. If you want to go to Derek Rose or New Orleans Noel, I, I guess this is a, all a, a long way of saying they, they have an excess of rotation level NBA players right now. And given that, do you think there's an argument for the Knicks um, for doing, obviously last year they had, um, they ended up with so many picks, like they, they still got a couple of rookies who, who made significant contributions, but essentially doing a version of what they did last year with that Charlotte Hornets trade and, and kind of trying to punt this pick just a year down the road, even if, it's less advantageous in terms of protections that they make with another team. Just given that I, I think, and correct me if I'm off on this, Alex, I, I think next year's universally considered a deeper draft and certainly uh, maybe like a, a deeper pool of, of high end talent in the top 10. Um, would it be worth it for the Knicks to just say, you know what? We, we just, we, we just don't have room to play a rookie next year um, unless someone like a shade and sharp falls and in turn, maybe just try and make a trade for next season and take a swing on a higher upside guy next year, having that extra asset and the ability to package together multiple picks. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think if they're kind of going to roll the ball out with the same team next year and make some minor changes on the edges, I wouldn't mind them kind of punting uh, this pick till next year. It gives them another year to look at, uh, you know, Cam Reddish, see if you want to extend him if you want to pay him gives him another year to look at guys like deuce mcbride like quentin grimes um even even quickly just to see you know if they are your future core you know young guards uh or if you want to kind of uh you know kick the can with them and, and move on and maybe package them in, in a bigger trade also gives them another year of rj barrett um if we see another year of growth from him and they want to extend him and pay him a lot of money. Uh, that is going to change kind of the trajectory of the team. Uh, I think he's their number one kind of prospect moving forward. So it'll, it just gives them another year and and more time to look. And, and Obi, yeah, Obi too. It just gives them another year to see what you have in these young guys who are still on their rookie year and see kind of how you want to go forward, who you want to add. And yeah, you mentioned the 2023 class. And I think, the very, very top of that class is definitely a lot better than this class with Victor Wembenyama uh, and Scoo Henderson at the top two. And then uh, the Thompson twins who are playing at overtime elite right now. I think those are some solid, um, you know, picks at the top of the class. Uh, you know, it depends on the protections, right? Like if they just trade this 11th pick for a lottery protected pick, I, I don't know if I would do that, but if you can do it for, maybe just a top 10 pick. So maybe you could trade it to a team who finishes 11th again. You just get the 11th pick next year. I, I think I would do that if they do plan to just kind of go back to the, the, the drawers table with this same kind of team and play Alec Burks and, and all those guys again. 
Um, I don't think adding another young guy is really going to do much for this year. It's kind of going to be a wasted year of a rookie contract. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, all fair points. And I, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth too. I, I, but it is disappointing as it would be to walk out of the draft without a player picked. I do think that the Knicks do have such a promising young core that it's like, if you can kick it down the line and it gives you more ammo for a star trade or something, maybe that's worth it. Um, or it, the the only way that I would really sort of look at it is like, uh, like that's kind of disappointing is if, if they are sort of resigned already to trading Julius Randle and then don't draft, use that pick to draft someone when there should be some good players, like we mentioned to fill that spot. Um, that would be a little disappointing, although I'm sure they could sign someone in free agency or maybe receive someone back in a trade. But um, in general, the thought the thought of it is, you know, it's like simultaneously like disappointing, but also would be encouraging if the if the team did take an honest look in the mirror and were like, do we really want to complicate things further with these young players that were showing so much to end this season? Uh, or do we want to just, you know, go ahead and, and just take the player and just let it all figure itself out because talent is talent and, you know, it's good to have more of it than not. Um, but at any rate, Alex, this has been great. A really great conversation about a bunch of different guys. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on with us and talking about some prospects, some that we haven't really talked about much, some that we were revisiting after a few weeks. I'm sure that we'll be spending a lot of time on, on some of the same names, but getting different perspectives because of that the nature of being in that 11th pick where there, there seems to be a certain range of guys that could be available. Uh, but before we let you go, do you want to remind everybody where to find all of your work and uh, everything for you for no ceilings, all that good stuff before we get going? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at draft film school. And then, yeah, I write for no ceilings, NBA at no ceilings, NBA on Twitter. We do a lot of good stuff. We put out uh, individual prospect reports, group projects on, you know, different draft topics, YouTube channel. Uh, we have different podcasts. I think we have four or five podcasts on our network right now. So yeah, you, you can follow no ceilings MBA and we post everything there. All the links are there for you to subscribe. So I appreciate everyone's support and uh, yeah, just go look at us and everything's on Twitter nowadays. So uh, just, just get everything from there, I guess. Cool. Well, thanks so much, man, for popping on. And I'm sure it won't be the last time. Certainly won't be the last time people see a no ceilings person on here, too, because I've been <laughs> all the great insight. I'm just going to make the rounds Definitely for the not. whole roster. All of you guys with your Love big it. cartoon. They, 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 cartoon they, have a, they have a barn of draft analysts. Yes, they do. They have yes. a barn of draft analysts. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to copyright that. There you go. <laughs> well, that's where you know, you we'll, put... we'll give you a day before we put this out, so you can get ahead of it. <laughs> that's that's where I'll you file can put the paperwork the... tonight. Yeah, you can put all the animated bobblehead uh, emojis with the brown back or the sorry the orange backgrounds inside the barn. You know, it'll it'll yeah, work out perfect. The, the yeah, Twitter barn. I'll get our Photoshop guy on that now. All right. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Alex, and uh, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back with more shows. Obviously, uh, we're still rolling on like a five a week schedule so keep your ears and eyes out for more locked on Knicks. but until next time thanks everybody for listening peace out talk to you all soon